Good morning, everyone. Awesome. You guys sounded so great in worship. I got to tell you, you guys are the best, best looking 1145 service in all of Central Florida. Come on. Amen. Uh, we've just, it's been a great day today. First service, second service. Don't miss awakening tonight. Don't miss it. Four nights we kick off going after God. Today we're actually, many of us are finishing our 21-day Daniel fast. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to ease back into, I don't know if we want to go back to normal eating. I feel so good. But uh, it's been a great, great experience. Tonight I'm speaking a message called The Few, The Proud, and The World Changer. And that's going to be great. And then we're going to commission our deacons. First time for us to do that here at City Church. And it's going to be a great, great night. And uh, so come out. Check it out. Everyone doing okay? I'm afraid to ask that question sometime. You might be like, no, I'm not doing okay. No, okay. That's all right. We're going to just move on. No, we're good. I'm glad you're doing well this morning. What's your greatest fear? What's your greatest fear? Just think for a moment. What causes you to be afraid? How about public speaking? Anybody? Public speaking? Anybody? All right. Okay. If you're not afraid of public, just come on up here and we'll try and see how you do today. All right. Okay. Uh, Life Science Magazine came out with a top ten list of things that people are afraid of. And uh, so I thought he'd just throw these out to you. I might make a few commentary along the way, just kind of, you know, tell you what I think about it. But uh, top ten. We're going to start with number ten. Number ten thing, the tenth thing that people are afraid of is the dentist. The dentist. Anybody afraid of going to the dentist? Okay. Uh, I left Seattle in 1998. I didn't go to the dentist until 2013. How many years is that? I'm not afraid of the dentist, though. All right. Number nine, dogs. Anybody afraid of dogs? I'm not afraid of my little Maltese, are you? No. But how about my cousin's 200-pound Mastiff? Anybody afraid of that dog? Okay. Number eight, fearful flight. Number seven, thunder and lightning. Anybody afraid of thunder and lightning? My first summer in Central Florida. I didn't know God made lightning that big. And that loud, I just, I had no idea that it came packaged like that. I'm driving, you know, the corner of 436 and 434, there's like a Home Depot and a, and a Target down there. And I'm driving down the road, and it's pouring. I can't even see through my windshields. I've never experienced rain quite like that, you know, that torrential rain. And then the lightning and the thunder. I literally thought people, they were dropping bombs on Central Florida. And I remember I'm driving down the street, and I'm ducking, I'm thinking, that Life is going to come through my windshield, man. I was like, I was freaking out. I'd never experienced that kind of thing before. Anybody afraid of the dark? No, you don't have to mention that one. Heights? Yeah. Ooh. That could be. Other people? How about scary, tight places? Anybody ever an MRI before? Okay. Creepy crawlies. Two-foot tarantulas. Slithering snakes. Number one, slithering snakes. This morning I want to talk to you about keeping faith in the storm. The fact is we all have things, we all have things that cause us to be afraid. Every person here, every person has something in your life. We all have things we're bent, we're, whatever our childhood experiences. When I was a little boy, I was afraid of the boogeyman. That's why I slept with my baseball bat 
I slept with my baseball bat in my bed and my knife under my pillow. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of anybody coming in, was I? <laughs> I mean, you know, the fact is we've all got things that we've worked through in life. And fear is a natural response to trials. Or fear is a natural response to storms or troubles or tribulation. It's just a natural response to that thing. This morning I want to talk to you about keeping faith. Keeping faith. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 35 through 41. And I want you to stand with me in the honor of God, reading God's Word. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 35 through 41. You there yet? No, right, I'm still working on it. I thought I had my place marked. And the Bible says that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Peace. Everyone say, Peace. Be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here's my one big idea. Here's one thing I want you to walk away with today. Keeping faith in the midst of the storm. Keeping faith in the midst of the storm. This morning in my pastoral prayer, we're going to pray for little baby Christopher Alexander Mercier. He's been in the hospital. He's 11 days old. He's been in the hospital for five days now. And uh, we're going to pray. I went down last night. I visited Chris in April. And uh, when I walked into the room, I, I felt that pain. I felt that sense of fear that a parent would fear when you're looking at your little 11-year-old baby hooked up to this, these kinds of machines. And we're going to pray today for God to heal him. Come on, anybody want to agree with me today for that? And we're going to pray that God would heal baby Christopher. And I want you to join with me, me this morning as we pray. And I want you to pray like it was your child, if you're a parent. If you're not a parent yet, it would be hard for you to relate. But pray about someone you really, pray like you're praying for someone you really pray, care about. And we're going to come into an agreement for little baby Christopher. Father... I uh, thank you today for the power, the power that we've already experienced in worship. Your presence is like heaven to us. It's been so real. Our time of communion, that sense of intimacy and fellowship with you. We love you, Lord. And I ask right now, Lord, in faith for baby Christopher. I pray today, God, that you will move in his life. God, even as an 11-year-old baby, God, that you will work a miracle. And Lord, as a church family, we pray today for your grace. We pray for Christopher today. I pray for Chris in April, Lord, for his parents as they're sitting in that hospital room, even this afternoon. I pray that you'll bring peace into their heart, peace into their life. I speak blessing over him today. Father, I thank you that you are making a champion for God, that no plans of the enemy will prosper. God, we ask right now for every person here that's, that's heard this word today, I pray that you'll open their hearts. God, open our hearts today to hear from you. Give us spiritual ears. And God, for me today, I need you in this service, service one more time to communicate your love and your grace and the power of your truth. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. 
Our background to the story is that Jesus was ministering to multitudes of people. Jesus had spent all day teaching people about the kingdom of heaven. And he told stories. He told the best stories. His stories were captivating. People listened to him intently. Everywhere that Jesus went, there were multitudes of people, throngs of people pressing to hear. Because the words that he spoke, they were revolutionary. No one had ever spoke like this man before. No one in all the history of the world had said the kinds of things that this man said that were so radical that caused people to change, radically change their life for the good. And everywhere that Jesus went, he did good. Throngs of people were pressing against him. There were so many people on the seaside of Galilee that Jesus actually had to get into a boat. And from a boat, he began to teach them the way of God's kingdom, the way that they were to live. As Jesus began to teach, he began, you know, the disciples are around. There's momentum. There's a, there's a great feeling. There's a great atmosphere. He's taught all day, and he gets to the end of the day, and he tells his disciples, we're going to cross over. We're going to cross over. They had no idea what was going to come in their life. They had no idea what was going to come in their life. I want to talk to you this morning about how to keep your faith in the midst of the storm. How to keep your faith in the midst of the storm. The first thing I want you to hear this morning, in order for us to keep our faith in the midst of the storm, is that we got to believe that God promises to us is that we will make it. God promises us that we will make it. I love this concept here. This, this very first verse that we looked at today, the Bible says, Jesus told the disciples, let us cross over. Jesus had no intention, Jesus had no plan on going down in that boat. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was God incarnate. Someone once said that Jesus was God with human skin on. He was God with human skin on. Jesus had a purpose. He had a mission. And he had no intention of going down in the boat that day. He made a promise to his disciples. Let us cross over. Let us go over to the other side. You see, the fact is in your life, in my life today, stuff happens. The, the ministry, the, the experiences of life lead us at many times to question whether or not we're really going to make it. But if you are going to keep faith in the midst of your storm, you must take Jesus at His Word. You must take Jesus at His Word. Paul the Apostle, when talking about the words of Christ, said it like this, The promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. God's promises. God's promises are yes and amen to them that believe. You see, Jesus, when He walked on the face of the earth, if you study the writings of the disciples who wrote about their experience with Christ, if you read about the ministry of Jesus and the words that He spoke, over 200 promises He made to His disciples. Over 200! Over 200 times Jesus made promises to His disciples. Stuff like this, I will forgive you. I will save you. I will heal you. I will deliver you. I will give you life. I will reward you. I will provide for you. I will come back for you again. Jesus made promises. And the promises of Jesus are yes. You see, He had no intention undying. At least not yet. At least not yet. 
here's the promises to you today. What you think about this? Whatever's happening, the worst thing that's ever happened. Now, I want you to look at your hand. Look at your hand. Say, I'm still here. You're still here! <laughs> You've made it this far! Isn't that amazing? You're still here today. See, God has made promises to us. The promise that He will never leave us nor forsake us. The second thing, if you're going to keep faith today, the second thing that's got to happen in our reality and our understanding is that life or stuff happens to those who are with Jesus. Life, stuff, happens to those who are Jesus. The disciples are in a boat with who? Jesus. And a great windstorm arises. Water crashing onto the boat. (laughs) I mean, their world is spinning out of control. Trouble is finding them. (laughs) Jesus said it like this. Jesus made this promise in John chapter 16. He said, listen guys, in this life, you will have trouble. I've come to give you peace. Here on earth, there's going to be trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. He's overcome. He's the overcomer so that you can overcome. He's gone before you. He's made a way where it seemed to be impossible. He's already provided a way for you. He's told us this so that we can have peace. So that we can understand that when the trial, when the storm comes, our lives aren't over. It's not finished. God's still working in us. God's still at work. His hand is still at work in our life. See, sometimes trouble comes in my life because I've made poor decisions. You know, I've made poor decisions. I I drove out of the church parking lot, and I saw the police officer sitting right across the street in the parking lot of the church next door. I saw him, and I drove past him to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a cup of coffee. And on my way back, I forgot. I forgot. And as I drove past that police officer coming back to the church, I was going just a little too fast. And I had trouble come my way. (laughs) It's got little flashing light bulbs that go out behind you. Trouble. I mean, I made a choice. Sometimes we are where we are because we've made some wrong choices. But sometimes trouble happens because other people have made bad choices. I mean, it's just a fallen world. Everyone say fallen world. If you live in a fallen world, bad stuff happens. Stuff happens even to those who are with Jesus. But here's the deal today, guys. Troubles have been specifically designed for you to teach you, to teach me, to teach us that Jesus alone is our source and our Savior. Troubles, trials, difficulties, problems, they are designed intricately by God to teach us that Jesus is our only source, our only source, and our only salvation. Keeping faith. The word faith in the Greek is pistuis. It, it literally means a confident or assurance or complete trust in God. I've, I've scoured the Bible. I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've read every single word on faith. And I've got to tell you, it is the theme of Jesus' ministry, teaching the disciples that they must live a life of faith. The great revolution from the Protestant reformer, Martin Luther King, when he nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Catholic Church, he, he declared the just 
shall live by faith. By faith. Our faith alone is in Christ. We put our faith and our confidence completely in Him. As I've read through scriptures, I, I've, in my own heart, in my own thought, in my own mind, I know there's some great faith verses. But to me, probably the greatest statement of faith in all the Bible is found by the name of man, by the name of Joseph. Joseph was this handsome young man, and he was sold by his brothers. He actually was thrown into a pit. They were going to murder him. They threw him into a pit, and they decided not to murder him. And then they sold him as a slave. And then from slavery, he went into prison. Never did anything wrong. But then from a prison, because he kept his heart right, and he had faith in God, God took him to the palace. At the end of Joseph's life, he said this to his brothers. He said, listen, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, so that many could be saved. Here's the deal, guys. I don't care. Your brother, your, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your co-worker, your boss, the world, the devil meant it for evil. But God has meant it for good so that many can be saved in your life. Someone said amen this morning. So here's the problem. They're in a storm. They're in a storm and the waves are coming and they don't know what to do and they're freaking out. Is that right, Pastor Glenn? They're freaking. They don't know what to do. And I'm just going to go ahead and say goodbye. I'll see you guys later because I don't know what to say now. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm coming back. (laughs) Psych. I'm just kidding. Jesus was asleep. It was, how can you, now listen. Now, I'm a pretty sound sleeper. I'm a pretty sound sleeper. I could could probably sleep through a storm, but I don't know. Water's coming on. I'm getting wet. Jesus is asleep on the boat, and he has his favorite pillow. Don't you like that little detail the Bible tells us that he had his pillow? Now listen, I brought this pillow today. I changed the pillowcase just for you. I put a brand new one on today. And uh, at first I wasn't going to put it on the ground, but I did it first service. So now I'm going to go ahead and just throw it on the ground. We'll see what happens here. But Jesus is in the boat, and he's sleeping on a pillow. Just like this. He's having sweet dreams. (laughs) Good dreams. Singing, I just I can hear it in his dream. He's saying, "Don't worry, be happy." Here's a little song I'd like to say. <laughs> Don't worry. And the disciples are freaking out. Here's Jesus. He's silent. He, where are you, God? He seems to be absent. I mean, come on! Don't you know what's happening? We're going to drown. They're freaking out. He wakes up. And he simply says, peace, peace, be still. In the Greek, the word literally is, hush, stop it. We're not allowed to say this word here because we have a preschool, but he actually said, shut up. Listen, devil, we're not going to join your band, so go ahead and just talk to the hand. Come on, that's quotable. Shut up. Peace. And immediately there was a calm. Immediately peace came. Smooth as glass. Storm. Terrifying. Circumstances seem to be out of control. It seems to be your biggest problem. Jesus speaks peace in the midst of 
of your storm. Jesus speaks peace. He arose. The same word arose there is the same word that the gospel writers used when Jesus rose from the dead. He arose, he arose. Christ Jesus lives today. He arose, he arose. He arose. He alive, he's alive. Jesus woke up. He spoke peace into the world. He demonstrated, listen, all authority. Jesus said, all authority, all power has been given to me. I want you to know that Jesus that we serve is a big God. He is a big God. How big is big? I don't know, but it's big. He's indescribable. He is big. He's powerful. And he wants to speak peace. There's not a devil or demon in hell. There's not a disease. There's not death, devastating circumstance. There's not a disease that Jesus can't speak peace into your reality. The last thing, number four, I want you to hear today. Your faith today is proven in the storm. Your faith. Now, I want you to see this here. I mean, they're freaking out. And in the last couple of verses, he's like, verse 40, I think we missed verse 40 here, but that's all right. Verse 40, he's like, okay, guys, how come you have no faith? He says that, right? He says, how come you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? He's the, I mean, this is one of the greatest leadership principles. I mean, I'm thinking about this, Richard. The storm is happening, and Jesus isn't trying to ask why in the midst of the storm. He deals with the issue. See, in your desperation, he hears your cry. He hears your cry. I mean, you're in a desperate time, a desperate circumstance. Things are falling apart. He hears your cry. He hears it today. But he wants to deal with something greater in your life. Your issue of trust and faith in him. Uh, years ago, I, I came up. I was a young man in high school, and a bunch of us were out. We were doing up. We were up to no good. And and there was a group of us that left this party at the same time. We'd all been doing bad stuff and stuff that makes drive not very good. And and there was a guy that was in front of me in my car, and he had three people. It was a little tiny uh, Nissan pickup truck. He had three people in the front seat, and he had like seven people in the back of the truck. And he was going down this desert highway road, and and he was like doing fishtails. Like, what in the world? He's going like 80 miles an hour. He's doing fishtails on the road. And he goes off and he hits the dirt and he tries to come back up on the pavement. When he does that, his tire catches and it flips his truck literally end over end. And I'm probably like a quarter of a mile behind this guy and I'm coming up over the horizon. And I just see when I, when I get to the scene, there are bodies, literally bodies all over the place. I mean, there are nine people, ten people in this little tiny pickup truck. And I pulled up on this scene and I'm just like freaking out. I mean, what would you do? I mean, people that I'd just been with, people that I went to high school with, all over the road. I mean, you know, when storms happen, when bad things happen, there's a tendency for us to want to freak out. And, you know, when you freak out, things get worse, and everybody else starts freaking out. When Jesus enters our world, he's not freaking out. He's speaking peace. Your faith, my faith, is tested. It's tested, and it's proving during the greatest storm's Here's the dear today. I love this. Uh, I, I, I thought of this this week, and I wrote this down. I put it on Facebook earlier this week. We were never meant to trust in our five loaves and our two fishes. We were meant to live as though at any moment God can turn our five loaves and two fish into something we never dreamed of. That's what God's able to do. That's what God's able to do in your life. 
You're here today. You're here today. You're a parent. You sent your kid to school this week. You know what? You have faith. You have faith. The fact is it takes faith for us to get in the automobile and drive down the road. You know, there's a greater chance of you dying in an automobile accident than dying in a plane crash. I mean, it takes faith. You sit on a chair. (laughs) You sit on a stool. When you sit on a chair, you have faith that that chair is going to hold you up. Is that right? You've accepted Christ. You've asked Jesus into your heart. The only way that you can be saved is by faith and through His grace. You must believe what Jesus did on the cross and that He rose from the dead and He did it for you because He loves you. It takes faith to believe. So you have faith. You have a measure of faith. But God wants you to grow your faith. Everyone say, grow my faith. So the circumstances, the trials, the challenges, the problems, all these things in our life have been designed and allowed by God to help us grow our faith. God's not the author, but God is the solution. (laughs) He's not the author, but He is the solution. See, today, today when we are living our lives, we're living our lives, stuff happens. We've got a clear picture. We've got a clear picture today. There is a solution. So here's a challenge. Here's, here's what I want to leave you with today. Here's a challenge to you today. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to activate your faith in the midst of the storm. I want to challenge you. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to panic. You don't have to do that. You can have the peace of God in your heart today. I want to challenge you to do three things. First of all, I want to challenge you to get God's Word into you. Get God's Word word into you. The only way, listen, the only way that you can change your thinking about your reality, about your circumstances, about your problems, the only way that you can have a different worldview is by having different input. It's the only way. One of the things that I'm so grateful today for technology, I mean, technology is kind of a blessing and a bummer, but it consumes a lot of our time and a lot of issues, but it's also a great blessing. And there's a couple of Bible apps that I use in my phone. How many of you have a smartphone? How many don't have a smartphone? All right. All right. Almost everybody. Okay. And you can go online. If you use the Internet, these are also online. But I use these on my on my phone. There's two Bible apps that I use. The first one is Uversion, Uversion, And the second one is Bible Gateway. And I use these every single day. And what I find when I'm struggling, I'm going through a challenge or a difficulty or a problem, I'm having something happen, and I, I just I'll look up a word. Uh, this week, I looked up every single word on peace. I, I type in the word peace in my Bible gateway, and I go down and I read every single verse on peace. I just read it. I just read every, and I begin to pray. That. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's love. Maybe you're struggling with loving someone. I go in and I look at every single verse on love. So I love what Psalmist says. The Psalmist says it like this: How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sun Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. (laughs) Instead, you thrill to God's Word. You chew on Scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted and eating, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. Reprogramming yourself. Reprogramming yourself. All the information that you're getting is from another point of view, from the world's point of view, a parent's point of view. And that could be good information. A lot of times it's bad. 
All of our information comes from entertainment or some other source outside of God's Word. Listen, I challenge you today to reprogram the way you think. Get God's Word into you. Get God's Word into you. And the second thing, the second thing that we see that Jesus did, you must speak faith. Everyone say, speak faith. The Bible says, the power of life and death are in the tongue. We will eat the fruit thereof. Listen, you must, if you want to have a great relationship with your spouse, you must speak faith over them. You must speak the best over them. You must believe in them. When you criticize, when you put people down, you're doing exactly the opposite. You're destroying a relationship. Speak faith. The words that we speak have life and they have death. I want to give you a life verse today. It's Mark eleven twenty-two through 24. This is a life verse for me. I, I, I got this verse. I didn't just memorize this verse in my head as a new Christian. I got this new verse into my heart. I got these verses into my heart. And it radically has chan- transformed the way that I live. It's Mark eleven twenty-two through 24. And Jesus said these words. Jesus had been with his disciples all day. And he went to a fig tree. And the fig tree had no fruit. And the Bible says that Jesus cursed the fig tree. The only thing in the Bible that ever Jesus ever cursed was a fig tree. Jesus spoke to that fig tree. Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and it withered up and died. The disciples, when they came around, they couldn't believe it. They just they were blown away, and they said, "God, where do you get this kind of faith? I go, How does this happen?" And Jesus said, "This have faith in God." One translation literally says, "Have." the faith of God. And then look what happens here. You will say to this mountain, you will speak to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, they will come to pass. Listen, we speak faith. We are people of faith. We're people of life. Listen, your co-worker. Listen, God's put that co-worker there because God wants you to grow in love. God wants you to grow in forgiveness. And Jesus said, when people curse you, you are to bless them. The greatest challenges in my life are living the parts of the Bible I understand. (laughs) The greatest challenge in my life is living the parts of the Bible that I understand. It's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand. And I've been studying this thing a long time. And there are parts of the Bible I'm like, still a mystery to me. There's passages. Bless those who curse me. Be joyful in all circumstances. I mean, these kinds of things, they just, they, 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 they're difficult. They're not easy. But Jesus said, speak faith. The only way you can begin to speak God's word into your circumstance is if you get God's word into you. Listen, your child is not going well. You begin to speak faith over your child. You begin to see them the way that God sees them. Relationships. I mean, whatever the issue is in your life, begin to speak what God says. You begin to say what God says. You have financial lack in your life. You begin to say, God, I'm not going to be broke, busted, and disgusted. But God, I believe that you called me to be the head and not the tail. I believe that you are my source and you are my provider. You said that you are Jehovah provider. You will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. You begin to speak what God's word says. The only way that you can have what God's word says is if you know what God's word says. And when you know it, it will begin to come out of your life third thing today. The third thing today is seek Jesus and not the answer. Seek Jesus and not the answer. The human tendency, the human tendency is to go out there looking for some kind of solution. Looking for it in a pill, looking for it in a bottle, looking for it in a relationship. 
You know, you're lonely, you're single, you're looking for the perfect spouse. There's no good guys in the church. There's no good girls in the church. There's, you know, all those kinds of things. And you start to look. You start to look out there. Seek Jesus. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom. And all these things shall be added to you. Seek Jesus first. Seek Him first. No money for Bible college. I remember going up to the church, seeking Jesus. Jesus, I'm seeking you. What's your will? What's your purpose? What's your plan? Jesus, Jesus, I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you today, Lord. Seeking you. I'm seeking God. I'm asking God for the next step in my life, my relationship. And and I've met this beautiful woman by the name of Laura Lloyd. Laura Jean Lloyd. I met Laura Jean Lloyd. And I began to seek God. God, I'm seeking you. Three days. I went without food for three days saying, God, is this the right person for me? I did that because I want Jesus' will and not my will in my life. Uh, you know, we're in Alt- we're down in Altamont Springs and, and the church. We started a little movie theater. We go to another movie theater. And then we end up in Longwood. And I, I remember this like it was yesterday. Literally. It was in late of 2003. Uh, and the church, I knew that we, did, we needed a permanent location. And there was a missionary. There was a missionary. Can't even remember his name now. He used to be on staff down at Calvary Assembly. And, and he came to visit me. And I began to tell him. He said, hey, let's go into the sanctuary and go to the altar and see Jesus. <laughs> That's what he said. And I went into that altar. And we both got on our face before God. We seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. Don't seek, don't seek the solution. He is your solution. He said, if you seek me, all these other things, direction, finances, wisdom, right spouse, child, relationships, where you're supposed to live, seek me first, all these other things. How about you today? What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Can you stand with me this morning? The worship team, you guys can come. How about you today? Can you close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He loves you today. Your eyes, please no one look. Your worship team is still coming to the stage. We're, we're going to finish in just a moment in worship. I'm going to give everyone an op- this in this room an opportunity to seek Jesus in just a moment. Maybe you're here today. You're here in this atmosphere, in this moment, and you know your life. You haven't been seeking Jesus. Just know. You've been living life for yourself. You know there's a God, maybe, or maybe you've been questions if there really is a God. I, I want to assure you today what I said is true. I didn't speak my words. I spoke Jesus' words. And they were for you. You're here today and you know you don't have a relationship with God. There's no one looking. When I count to three, I'm going to have you raise your hand. One, two, three. Right now. Anyone in this room? Anyone in this room? I see that. Anyone else? I see that. Anyone else? I see that. opportunity to 
experiencing His forgiveness and His grace in your life. But I want to talk to the Christian just for a moment, a room full of Christians. Maybe there's something in your life. You know, it's, you're not even necessarily you're not in a boat. Waters aren't, you don't feel like you're sinking. But you've got a lot of questions. You've got a lot of questions about your future. Say so you're afraid, but you're just, you've been wondering. You've been wondering. God's presence is here today. He's here today to give you that assurance that He's your peace. He is your peace. Paul said, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. God's peace is for you today. And you just want a fresh reality of that peace today. You're a believer. Can you just lift your hand up right where you're at right now? Come on. All across this room, Christians. So we're going, to do. we're going to close. I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer. And as soon as I finish this prayer, they're going to start to sing. And you raise your hand. I want you to come and join me at these altars. We're just going to go out. We're going to declare that we're going to declare that heaven, the reality of His presence, is in this place. And we're going to allow His peace to saturate our heart. I want everyone to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you today that you are my peace. I believe that you died for me. I accept you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me. I believe today that you're my help. I need you. I commit my life to you in your wonderful name. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Listen, I, I want to encourage you. You pray. You want to take your next step to God. We're going to have some people up here at the end of the service that find someone to talk to them. You're a believer today. You raise your hand. We're going to finish this service. We're just going to seek after God. We're going to go after His presence and welcome His peace. Come now. Let's close.